0: Bonjour, welcome to another edition of Café de Renee. James here, and I am joined by someone who was a big fan of during my childhood, he is a former WCW Tag Team Champion, the Cajun sensation, Lash LaRue, Lash, how are you doing today?
1: Man, I'm tremendous, James, thank you for having me, brother, that's right, the Raging Cajun, somebody had to be in, Andrew drew the short straw.
0: <laughs> I have to ask, I'm disappointed, where's the sideburns?
1: Yeah, man, I get a little old for the sideburns, I suppose. The sideburns got lost in the shuffle in uh, about 2012, 2014. I grew out a beard. And then when I lost the beard, I lost the sideburns as well. You know, they don't tend to, to do you much good in everyday life, I suppose.
0: I suppose so. I, I was just noticing, and a few people in the comments were saying, um, there's the current uh, wrestler for AEW, Brian Cage. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, he's so luscious sideburns.
1: <laughs> well, the other, side, the, the other side of that coin is this. It's hard to pull off those L-shaped sideburns if your initials are not L's. So that's why I worked True. in my favor, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you where those came from, James, if you want the quick story behind it, a little background, you know. That's what these deep diving uh, podcasts are all about, right? So here's a little bit oh, about how yeah. the sausage was made. When I started at the power plant, uh, not unlike Renee, I was the youngest guy under contract at the time with WCW, you know, and I was not too far out of high school. And uh, I was about 18, I guess, 19 years old. And the first thing they told me, I always kept my hair super short because I played sports throughout high school and the coaches required you to keep your hair short. And I didn't have any facial hair at all. had a very round baby face. And uh, I remember Chris Canyon said, Bro, you need to grow out some facial hair and grow your hair out. You look like that guy Rudy from the movie. So (laughs) uh and he wasn't wrong. I did. I looked just like Rudy. So I grew my hair out, never realized it was this curly until it just started growing. And uh I found out very quickly I had a fro. And uh Mm -hmm. then I grew out facial hair and I thought everybody's got a goatee in the 90s. So I didn't want to do the goatee gimmick. Uh didn't really feel comfortable with the beard. Get it. Then uh, I thought, you know, I'll grow the sideburns. And I was a huge Elvis fan, big Elvis yes. fan. So I originally grew these big pork chop Elvis sideburns just to be different and stand out. And then one day, I suppose it's the artist in me. I looked in the mirror and I thought, man, I can shave those sideburns into my initials and make them an L and an L for Lash LaRue and do the whole deal where I go out there and point them out. And it just worked. It worked. It's one of those things in wrestling, just worked.
0: It did, like I said. I'm, so when you started getting your push, it must have been like 98, 99, around um, about that era, 99, 2000. So I would have been about 10 year olds, give or take. And I remember you coming out like with the side bands. You had the great fame song as well. So it, real stood, it really stood out to me. So, And that's the thing in wrestling. As you know yourself, you need something to set yourself apart from everyone else.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that too, James, because I recognize that. You know, you know the best wrestlers, I believe, come from being fans first. You know, not saying yes. you can't just be a pro athlete or something like that and step into it and be successful. I mean, obviously, that there's a different level of success with understanding the psychology from a fan's perspective, because then you know what you like as a fan before you actually have an opportunity to try to implement something, right? So I recognized uh, from a fan's perspective, I needed a character and I needed a gimmick and I needed that sort of thing. And to be honest with you, it's always humorous to me when I'm having conversations with people and they go, well, I remember when you first got your push and you were the Raging Cajun and you came out, dude, that's not something that I sat down with uh, the powers that be and they decided they were going to make me the Raging Cajun. That was something that I was at the time, nothing more than enhancement talent. And I just sort of evolved my own gimmick, recognizing I needed something. I thought to myself, well, if I, I've i got the sideburns, I grew the sideburns out, I grew the hair out. If I put Raging on one side of my tights and Cajun on the other, well, they can't not call me the Raging Cajun. So I did yeah. that without really asking anybody. And then I thought, well, if I'm Cajun, I'm going to carry Mardi Gras beads to the ring and I'm going to throw them out. And then Jimmy Hart came to me and asked me about uh, – ring music because he sort of did ring music at the time he was digging what i was doing with the cajun thing and i said uh yeah man uh here's some tapes of a old guy from the 70s named tony joe white he wrote a song uh in the 70s that elvis actually covered at one point called polk salad Annie,' and he did this like funkadelic sounding rock uh where the guitar was just phenomenal but it was mixed with some southern rock and some Swamp Zydeco music, and they actually called it Swamp Pop back in the day. So I just gave uh, Jimmy Hart a couple of songs and said, man, uh, anything that sounds like this will sound swampy and Cajun. It'll be right up my alley. And so Jimmy Hart did the magic that Jimmy Hart always does because he's that guy. And, you know, it was a slow evolution suddenly I'm the raging Cajun, you know.
0: Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Jimmy, uh, well the amount of uh, entrance themes he came up with and, like, helped out. He's someone who's definitely on the bucket list for myself to interview one day, but I don't think he does any podcast, but he's definitely on a bucket list for myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Hart was just a, a phenomenal guy and just a wonderful – not just my the business. Jimmy Hart would have been a legend in the wrestling business if he never did anything other than just manage the stable of people that he managed in the 80s in WWE, right? but you take it a step further and you really find out just how talented he is when you're backstage from a creative standpoint. I mean, you're talking about the dude that came up with three count, the entire concept, the sound, the, you know, the idea of a boy band, that was a team. Uh, He, for a while he was in charge of Saturday night and did that show. He recognized pretty early on my artistic talents. So he tried to utilize that the best that he had the opportunity to on the Saturday night show. The first time caricatures live, I did them in the uh, aisle way in the entrance way, going to the ring on a Saturday night, you know. And and then he had a pay per view, I think, against Mancal in Chicago, and yes. he had me do a caricature of him and Mancal, kind of uh, button heads, and he put it on T-shirts. Man, I still got that T-shirt somewhere. So Jimmy Hart was always really, really good to me. Really admired his his talent. His ability, his mind in and out of the wrestling ring, uh, again, like I said, he would be a Hall of Famer and a legend if if he would never did anything other than just be a manager because he did that so well. But, man, he wore so many hats backstage, he was invaluable.
0: Oh, definitely. And uh, we've got some super chats here. So, everyone, if you want to ask a last question, uh, please send in your super chats and I'll be sure to ask them. Uh, our first one here is from Blaze. Uh, what was Slash's favorite road story from WCW? Hashtag Misfits in Action.
1: My favorite road story from the Misfits in Action. There was one time on the road with the Misfits. Uh, me and Chavo and Hugh were all riding together in a car. We had a rental car. I think the statute of limitations is probably uh, passed on this, so I can throw it out there and tell the story. But we, <laughs> we wrecked that car three times in two days. And, wow. and totally just by happenstance. I mean, it was one of those things you get to run a run of bad luck on the road. And uh, I remember, let's see, the first time we, we wrecked the car, uh, we were, it was rainy. I want to say we were in Lake Charles, Louisiana. The referee, Johnny Boone, was riding with us as well. And so Boone was in the passenger side. Uh, Hugh was driving. We hit a wet spot, just hydroplane in a residential area and hit a uh, hit a tree head on and hit the windshield and gave himself a concussion and kind of split his head open a little bit. They actually wound up flying him home. He couldn't finish the the trip. Uh, Our rental car was still passable. And, you know, Bill's mentality was, man, we've paid for the insurance, so it's no big deal. We just kept driving. (laughs) And so we continued using that car. Then we found a gym that we worked out at. And I don't know what kind of hole in the wall gym this was, man, but it was just a building in the middle of nowhere and the parking lot had trees in it. It was like a gravel parking lot that was unfinished. It wasn't asphalt. It was just, you park in front of the building and you go in and you work out. So we went to leave. And of course this is in the era before people had backup cameras and everything else. And Hugh goes to back up and when he does, he side swipes a tree and it just drags all the way down the other side of the car. And so, then that side of the car is messed up. The front of the car is messed up. And the next morning I took the car to go get breakfast and I thought I had it in reverse. Apparently I had it in drive and I just went forward and hit a light pole and just popped the front of it really quick. So we wrecked it three times in two days uh, before we flew out and went to the next town. It was like in something from a movie like planes, trains, and automobiles or
0: something. Yeah. There was anything that
1: could go wrong, went wrong on that particular trip.
0: Oh, that's crazy. Um, I want to bring it back a little bit, back to your caricatures. So, someone else who was known for doing doodles in the locker room was uh, Brett Hart. And uh, I think uh, the original title for his book was My Ca- My Cartoon Life and Wrestling. Is that something you two spoke about and connected on?
1: No, we never did, man. And to be honest with you, a big part of that was because I never recognized or realized that he enjoyed drawing until after my WCW years were over and we were kind of disconnected and not around each other, uh, anymore. And I kind of wish I had known that, you know, I would have picked his brain. Another one that I wish that I had known and been able to pick his brain was Jerry Lawler. I wasn't aware of his affinity for it. You know, um, he's a phenomenal artist as well. In fact, the funny story is I missed him last year. They have, uh, an actual organization that's sort of a union for caricature artists. Uh, that's what kind of expanded things for me. I never recognized that till other caricature artists who happened to be wrestling fans kind of clued me in on this after I had retired from wrestling. And they're like, man, you need to join the union. I'm like, there's a union for this thing. Like, yeah, apparently there is. So it's an international society for caricature artists. Uh, ISCA, And I joined that uh, several years ago, about a decade ago, and they have conventions every year. And last year the convention was in Memphis in Lawler was actually one of their guest speakers there and I was had plans to go to the convention and at the last minute there was a funeral I had to attend instead and I missed out on the convention. So right. uh, it seems like I've never had an opportunity to get those passed across. Although my caricature career pretty much started because of professional wrestling.
0: Yeah. I mean, It's different these days because wrestlers now, you can just play on your smartphones and some of the wrestlers bring video games with them. But back in this day, we never had smartphones and stuff. So I suppose as an outlet, of release, to keep yourself busy, that was something you developed. And obviously, it's paid off big time because it's developed into a career for yourself.
1: Uh, That's exactly right. They kind of went hand in hand for me because we'd be on the road then and you would – Back then, man, we toured probably 300 days out of the year on the road, and you're in a different town every night, in a different building every night. And if there was a TV day, you were required to be there at noon for a show that didn't start live until 7 p.m. or whatever time we went we went on TV, right? And so you'd get to the building and you'd have a lot of downtime. You'd have to be there early in case people had pre-tapes or in case you had local media to cover or if you had interviews or just to make sure that nobody missed a flight, that everybody's there and checked in, that nobody lost their luggage or lost their gear. But if you didn't have any of those things going on, you had a lot of downtime. and Guys would play cards in the back or they'd find something else to do. I think Booker T was the first person that, that I really knew that started bringing a uh, a gaming system with and we'd play Madden football in the back and have tournaments, you know. But I started carrying dry race markers with me because I always enjoyed drawing, and I noticed there was always a whiteboard in the locker rooms. So I began drawing the wrestler in the back, and Kurt Haney thought it was the most phenomenal thing in the world. He loved it, you know. Of course, it's right up his alley because he was such a good-natured, humorous guy. Anything that he could use to rib someone else, he he was all for it. And he would see me drawing and he go, man, draw Hulk Hogan. Well, uh, okay, <laughs> keep in mind, I'm like 20 years old. And he goes, now draw him really old. Uh, I, yeah. So I draw him really old. Draw him with an oxygen mask and a walker. And I'm like, Kurt, he's in the other room, man. I don't want to get heat. <laughs> I'm just the kid. They're not going to care. And look, if anybody says anything, you tell them you don't write the news, you just report it. And I, I still use that line to this day because I think it's so great. Uh, but long story short, Man, people from the wrestling magazine saw it. Bill After saw it, and uh, a guy named Ross Foreman, who was—I oh, know Ross. Okay, Ross was was one of the first ones to really recognize the talent there. And then after, not too far after that, and both of them offered me spots in their magazines to do wrestling cartoons. And I stuck with WCW magazine just because I'm a loyalist at heart. I'm like, this is my company, so that was the only reason why I said no to Mister After on that one. But uh, I started doing my lashing out cartoons, which were very much uh, uh, caricature driven. Obviously, for them to be funny, they need like the wrestler I was trying to kind of poke fun at or lampoon. And so I did my lashing out uh, cartoon that was featured in each magazine for probably about 10 years after that story.
0: Right. That's uh, great stuff. Uh, I think we've got another question here from Carl Hanaran. Uh, just want to say thanks for the inspiration. I used your whiplash as my finish here in North. And what's that? Old? North, uh, Netherlands. Probably. <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> uh, through, uh, through tables, off ladders, scaffolds, and even the, off the penalty box. Uh, thank you, sir. I always appreciate you.
1: That's awesome, man. That's high praise. Um, Never been one of those that ever was upset if somebody else was utilizing moves that I had come up with. I was never that guy that was protective of my finishers or my high spots. I always took it as a very much a badge of honor and a great flattery when people say, Man, I love that move so much, I want to use it in a match. Um, And that was something I took pride in. I I had hoped that I would get uh, that I would be remembered in. More than really, I probably was for being innovative and, and coming up with a lot of moves. Because uh, I was that guy at the power plant that you would come to and try to work out some, if not moves themselves, and inter- invent some things. I would try to come up with transitions to go from one move into another, or unique ways to go into finishers. Uh, worked with Diamond Dallas Page a lot with that kind of stuff, doing his, you know, Diamond Cutter. Uh, I, I invented the Whiplash. I was not aware of anybody. Utilizing that whiplash before then, uh, when I when they came to me and asked me to come up with a finisher that I could use on bigger guys that didn't require me picking them up, that's when I came up with the whiplash 2000, which was just quite simply it was an homage to my best friend and my road partner who was Brad Armstrong, who would always use the Russian leg sweep with this beautiful float over. So I just did the Russian leg sweep, but I did it from an English cravat. You know, I love that English cravat. A headlock, and so I'd put the guy in the English cravat and do a Russian lake sweep that way and float over. Or um, I did a northern light suplex that I called the New Orleans light suplex where I would give the guy northern lights, but I would jump with him and do a backflip and land on top of him, kind of float over. Uh, And uh, when Raph at the time, who was Adam Baum at WWF or Brian Clark, he, he came in looking for a new finisher, and that's when we invented the meltdown there at the power right. plant i said well what if you did the yeah i said well, if you want to do a pump handle suplex you're such a big guy do a pump handle suplex catch him on your shoulder and then power slam him which he absolutely loved you know and i had never seen that before then obviously many other wrestlers picked that up after that so, so i always took pride in trying to be innovative uh and and sort of ahead of my time and i really didn't care whether i got credit for it or not
0: uh, i spoke to uh brian last year actually uh, nice guy got along really well with him
1: tremendous guy he was one of those stalwarts that was always he was in the power plant constantly even though he was under contract and wasn't required to be in their training he was always trying to better himself man and always trying to put in that ring work and stay in good shape and be ready to go at any given time but uh thank you to that whoever it was that, that just gave me the nice compliments on the whiplash. I appreciate that, man. It, hey, good luck using it. Hope it hope it beats you a lot of victories.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. And that's you uh, Funny enough, another question's come up here and it was someone I was actually gonna ask you about. Uh thank you, Alex Hill. Uh Perry Saturn, uh, he's someone you work with us uh, you was an enhancement on. Uh any Perry Satin stories?
1: Yeah, Perry Saturn was actually my very first match. Uh, Perry was always really good to me, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot to that match. I mean, obviously, because it was my very f- – when I say my very first match, James, too, I don't mean my first WCW match. It was really my first official match because I'd never been around the wrestling business or in the wrestling business till I just went to the open tryout at the power plant, you know, and it came natural to me for whatever reason. And I made it a point to train, 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 train. I wanted to make sure that when I finally got that opportunity, that I, I knew exactly what I was doing, at least to a certain extent, that I witnessed myself in the ring and I would look like I belonged. And back then in those days, uh, WCW kind of had this policy. If you were one of the trainees at the power plant, you may not get booked, but you could go down to Orlando where they did the TV tapings. For the saturday night show you know they would do about three months worth in advance over the course of about five days and you could go down there and just say hey man i'm from the power plant i've got my gear with me i just want to make you aware that i'm here if you need anybody to be a good hand and go out there and put someone over i would love to do it i'd love an opportunity and you know if you got lucky and hung around the locker room long enough maybe they would use you and so uh perry uh, had a match and and I was his guy to go out there, man. I think it lasted like three minutes or four minutes or something like that. And it was just a, it was a straight deal. Just put him over, which was great, but he was wonderful to me, very respectful to me. And that's something I always figured out in the wrestling business very quickly, which is true in life. But if you're respectful to most people, most people are respectful back to you. Uh, a lot of the horror stories that you hear were guys Uh, and it's not always the case, but a lot of the horror stories you hear from the young guys that get ribbed or get you know, punished by the older guys or get hazed or whatever else, oftentimes it may be just because they've come off disrespectfully or they've come off as if they think that they're a bigger star than they are. Um, I was always trying my best to be humble and be respectful, and I was fortunate in the sense that I, I was accepted fairly quickly by the older guys, and they sort of took me under their wing and, and treated me very good
0: that's awesome uh someone you did work with when you was in Hans uh Scott Steiner I yeah. love Scott Steiner but with Scott Steiner there's always a story <laughs>
1: hey I'll tell you a great Scott Steiner story for me and there's nothing negative about it at all is is uh I loved working both of them he he and his brother because I worked yeah. Scott a lot um and then I've worked Robbie two or three times um Rick, two or three times. In fact, my last WCW match was against Rick Steiner. Um That's and, right, yeah. and Funny story. Yeah, funny story for both of those. I've always been a guy, and I don't know if it's because of my amateur background in wrestling or if it's just uh, because I've got two brothers and they're both bigger than I am, but I've never had a problem with it being a little snug man I just never have and I never took it as somebody stiffing me as long as you're not trying to hurt me I don't care if it's laid in a little bit and if it's believable and that sort of thing and you're hitting me in a safe spot what do I care and so I always had great matches with those guys of that and I took pride in trying to make the guy look better than me and I remember Scott the first time I wrestled him he he had started doing that Steiner recliner and he put me in the Steiner recliner and I from amateur wrestling, I had this great bridge. I was always flexible for my size. Yes. You know That's why I was able to do the splits and the whole deal. So you know, I bridged really strong for him because I wanted to make him look good, and he wasn't expecting it. I bridged so much, he started to lose his balance a little bit and fall <laughs> backwards, and he caught himself and grabbed the rope You know, and kind of balanced himself a little bit and then was able to really sit back on it. And the funny thing is, Judge, that turned out so well. They took a photo of that, and if you yeah. remember in the late 90s, wcw had a sponsorship with surge uh was like a carbonated drink or something here that's in the right States. yeah And yeah so they did this series of cans that had guys finishers on it and i went i remember going into a gas station and they thought that photo looked so great they had used that as scott steiner's finisher on one of the cans and i'm thinking well, there's my face on a soda can man i never would have thought that you know so i always thought that was really cool and and uh that last match i had with rick steiner even to this day i get people that message me all the time want to know why i had heat with rick that he beat me up so bad in that match it wasn't like that at all that's exactly how the match was booked to go and i ran the play that was called and many he's a gem to work with a joy to work with in fact when the last tours i went on before i retired i went to germany and uh they brought in Rick, and he and I were about the only Americans I think on that particular tour. He and I and Theo, I think, were the only three Americans on that tour, and loved it. Loved that time over there.
0: Oh, that's awesome. One thing I will ask you, Lash, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think you was around the locker room during this time. The legendary fight between Scott Steiner and Diamond Dallas Page. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it, was you there? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was there. the The funny thing about that is, is uh, I wish I could make it sound a lot sexier than, than it really is for the people that, that are watching it. Because when you when something like that happens backstage, man, it's it happens so fast and it's over so quickly that you really don't even know it's over before you really know why these guys had heat in the first place. The thing I remember mm-hmm. about that though is is Scotty went straight for his eye. I think Scotty was going to fish hook his eye. That's out, right. Yeah, which is about yeah. you know that's that Steiner. I mean, you're going to get in a fight and he goes that far, then you go in to win it, you know. And Paige, to his credit, um, I think he would be the first one to tell you that he's not Mr. Tough Guy and he's not trying to prove himself as Mr. Tough Guy. He's just a guy that stands by his principles and he's not going to back down, you know. And to his credit, he wasn't going to back down even to Scotty. And I don't remember what it was that they exactly had heat over I just remember being backstage, getting ready to go out to to a match or do whatever it was I was doing on that show that night, and looking over and going, "What in the world's going on?" Is because at first, you know, when you're doing that backstage, you are so owned in and focused on what you have to do that night that you really are paying attention to your part. You want to get it right, so you're not paying attention to what everybody else's deal is. So. I remember my first reaction was it was so intense. I thought it was a work. I thought there's cameras around here and they're filming something that's like a, a backstage Smaz, you know, that they're gonna use on the show. But nah, man, you'd find out after the deal that it was a that it was a shoot. But this stuff happens, man. It it happens in the business. I've had my own backstage. You know, I consider myself a nice guy and, and never really have a crossword with anybody. And yet, even yeah. I've been put in those situations before, man. And it, hey, it is what it is, and it's like being in family.
0: Do you mind ask, uh, Do you mind if I ask you with?
1: <laughs> no, no, I don't mind at all. It was actually from a house show, and it was the Misfits in Action (MIA), and we were taking on yeah. Jinderac and O'Hare. And I want to think somebody else because maybe Palumbo, because uh, Ch- because I thought it was a six-man match. I may be wrong on that. If it wasn't a six-man match. Then it was like me and Hugh and Chavo was at ringside, or me and Chavo and Hugh was at ringside. Some kind of combination like that. I'm not the best guy when it comes to recall, by the way, on road stories. So I apologize (laughs) ahead of time. But I can remember this particular one because I'm wrestling these guys. And Sean and and Jen Racken, all these guys, we came through the power plant. They came a little bit after me. But we all had those common roots and that common background. So we were all friends, and we all got along great but o'hare was really green at the time was a young guy in the business and not been around the business very long and so we're working the match and because it's a house show you can do a lot more gaga and a lot more smas and that that sort of stuff and really work the crowd and so i'm trying to do the deal where i can draw O'Hare into the, into the ring so that Jinderak misses the tag and I could pull Jinderak over into my corner. If you could sort of picture the psychology in the match there. So for me to draw him into the ring, this is what I did with him being so much bigger than me. I'm, I'm not even six foot tall, maybe 230 pounds at the time. I'm about, I'm about 230 now. And he's six, five, every bit of 260 and just ripped. And so I look at him and I go, like that, and like I'm spitting on him and, and pulled it in. Man, he comes through the ropes, and you can't hold him back. He really thinks I'm trying to spit on him. And he's really taking it personally for some reason. To, to him, suddenly it's the most disrespectful thing in the world anybody could ever do to him, and it's not a work for him. And so yeah. he comes through and just pie-faces me. And so immediately wow. I get hot because he's pie-faced me. And now I'm ready to fight him, and he's ready to fight me. And we finish the match, and we're we're business in the match. But as soon as we come through the, the curtain, they're having to pull us apart. And we're at each other's throats. And I can remember telling him, I said, look, I don't expect to win this fight, but you're going to know that you were in a fight. <laughs> you know, you better pack a lunch, brother, because you're going to be here a while. I'm scrappy, you know. I, I may not be the toughest guy in the world, man, but uh, I'm not going to back down either. And, uh, and I was ready to do whatever it was that's going to end. Cooler heads prevailed, thankfully, and we all went out to dinner afterwards and, you know, buried the hatchet. It was no residual heat from that at all. But I had to explain to him. I'm like, dude, number one, it's a work. I'm not really spitting on you. And I wasn't really spitting on you even in the match. Second off, even if I was going to really spit at you, if I was going to shoot spit you, <laughs> I would have just, I would have spit past you and not spit yeah. on you. Because, again, it's a work. You know, what's the big deal? All I could think about really after it was over was, I wonder what he would have done if he'd wrestled Benoit. Benoit would have snot him. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, that would have been a sight to see, <laughs> definitely.
1: But, hey, some to be honest, though, James, I think sometimes those things happen, too, just because you're on the road so much that that yeah. stuff builds up and builds up, and there's, man, there's stress in travel. People, people, it's that time of year now where everybody's traveling for the holidays and you get stressed out going through airports and everything else. Well, imagine doing that and then have to perform at the level that we perform. And you're doing that every single night and you really don't get a break. And so if you have a long run and you're on the road like that and you're new in the business, man, and, and you're not used to it and your body's not accustomed to it, it doesn't take much for that stress to build up and you suddenly explode at the wrong time for the wrong reason with the wrong person.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think we've got another question here for you, Lash from HBK's Lazy Eye. Uh, any stories at the United Center in Chicago?
1: Uh, I've got one Chicago story. I'll tell you a Chicago story, and it had to be the United Center because we that's what we ran all the time up there. Again, I'll apologize to all the fans that love those stories where guys had these great recall, and Nick Patrick was always like that, who I traveled with a lot in WCW. Man, Nick Patrick, the referee, man, he could tell you where we were, what the date was, what the building was. You know, he was phenomenal in that sort of thing. I was one of those kind of guys that lived the moment and loved the experiences. And even to this day, I'll forget some of the cool stuff that happens until other people mention it to me. And then I'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But anyway, (laughs) a, a quick Chicago story, though, that I do remember. We went and we did a show in Chicago this would have been late 99 maybe something like that and uh, i can remember the smashing pumpkins were pretty big at the time and they were from that area i believe and i was you know i'm from alabama man i grew up in alabama i'm a country guy i listen to some rock now i'm not exclusively a country guy i like any good music i've been known yeah. to listen to rap i listen to rock i listen to everything. But I was never a big Smash and Pumpkins fan back in the day when they were hot. I can appreciate their music more now looking back. But I remember Billy Corgan was a huge wrestling fan even then. And he was so good to us, man. We came there, and, and I remember he showed up at the, at the hotel or whatever and was a big wrestling fan. And, but because I wasn't a Smash and Pumpkins fan, I really didn't know who he was outside of the fact that I knew he was somebody, and he was a really, really super nice guy. And I appreciated that. So we struck up a conversation and we talked and and it was, you know, it was a nice deal. And I, I remember he asked me for my phone number and I gave him my phone number and didn't think anything else of it. And so I flew home and the next week I'm in the gym and I'm just training, just out. Um, and my phone rings, you know, and this back before you had caller ID for every single person that called you and everything else, but I answered my phone and I go, Hey, what's going on? And, uh, he goes, hey, man, how are you doing? I said, I'm great, brother. I go, uh, who's this? Because I didn't recognize the number. He goes, oh, this is Billy, man. We're just, we're riding on the bus and we're, we're touring and, and we're in uh, California. And it's already slipped my mind who I met and that yeah, we yeah. talked and this whole deal. So I can't place this guy to save my life. I go, okay, man, well, I'm going to finish my workout. It was good talking to you. you know, And I was nice to him and everything, but I remember not really registering or clicking who it was. And so I hung up and I got back to my workout and maybe about a day later it clicked and I went, Oh, I think I just kind of blew off Billy. <laughs> and I felt really bad about that ever since then.
0: What do you think to him, uh, buying the NWA and being a promoter now?
1: I love it. I think it's genius, man. I'm, I'm a big fan of anybody and everybody who brings a unique slant to the business, stepping in and seeing what they can do because you never know what's going to hit. And, uh, Here's what I'm a big proponent of. I believe when you look at the landscape of the business and how it is now, I could envision, and I'm hoping that this is what we see with the NWA and with what Billy is doing, because it's certainly what it looks like from my perspective. I could envision you recreating a version of the old territory days. You know, the territories worked for so long before there were large national companies, uh, mostly out of necessity because you had these regional cable companies here in the United States that kind of needed some kind of cheap programming and wrestling provided that cheap programming and it it provided a great platform for wrestlers to be able to stay regional sell tickets in their area and have a good uh promotion that was confined to a certain area right geographically and the reason why that went away obviously anybody that's a wrestling fan and a little bit of a historian knows that went away because cable TV became a thing and you didn't have to be regional and nobody could compete with Vince McMahon and WWE and all that jazz. And I get it. There's only so much, uh, cable television availability. And, uh, so that doesn't leave room for a lot of other companies. And what I see now is, you you kind of had that same model that you had with the local television stations except with streaming platforms right you've got streaming platforms whether it's YouTube or anybody else that needs content and you can have a company like an NWA that comes in and you look in the wrestling business you can either be greater than less than or different. You know, when you can have someone like the NWA come in and not necessarily try to compete head-to-head with WWE, just carve out a niche for themselves by being different. Okay, we're going to stream exclusively on this platform, on that platform, and they build up a following, and they build up their own little, uh, you know, group of people that support them in the same way that, you know, when I was a kid growing up, Continental Championship Wrestling in Alabama was huge, and everybody loved the Armstrongs. What's wrong with that? Everybody wins in that. When there's more places for people to work and make a living and become stars, better for everybody.
0: True, very true. Got another question for you here, Lash, from uh, Fan of the Show, Ben Hinmash. Hey, guys, question for Lash. What were your thoughts on Bischoff getting sent home and bringing in Ed Ferrara and Vince Russo to replace him in
1: 1999? My thoughts when it happened was – I really didn't feel like I was educated enough to have any thoughts on it at the time. Right. And what I mean by that is I'm a young kid. I'm barely in my twenties. If I'm in my twenties at that point, I hadn't been in the business very long. I really didn't know the wrestling business. I just knew I was living a dream and getting a chance to wrestle. I didn't care who was in charge at that point, as long as the company was doing well, what was helped. And from the outside looking in, it appeared that it was going to be good for everybody. And I can certainly say that in the beginning, I was pretty excited about it because it was the first time in my career. I shared with you a little bit, James, how I cultivated the whole Raging Cajun idea and the character and that whole thing. Nobody ever sat down with Lash LaRue and had a conversation going, okay, these are our plans for you. I was just booked and expected to have good matches, and that was enough for me. I didn't know enough to know that I needed to go in and speak up for myself and get involved in storylines and try to be more character-driven. I just was doing my best to connect with the fans from the time I went through the curtain until I got to the ring. That was my philosophy, regardless of what happened in the ring. And suddenly you've got Ed Ferreira and Vince Russo coming in, who were really, really high on the young guys and had really had an eye on who they thought would be the future talent. And they had a little bit of a distinct, this thing's probably too strong of a word. They had a little bit of a bias against some of the older guys that had been there. They had the mentality a lot of young wrestlers have where they're like, well, it's my turn. And I, I can't break through the ceiling until the old guys get out of the way and let me. And so Ed Ferreira, and Vince Russo kind of came in with that same mentality that we need fresh guys to come in. You know, they, they were hot off the Attitude Era. They were hot off of WWE making a lot of new stars. And I think they were excited to come in and put their fingerprints on making new stars. And so this is the first time in my career that someone sat down with me that was considered the head bookers and the guys that were in charge and going, bro, here's our idea. Bro, you know, and so that's flattering. You're getting some attention, and you're happy to be on their radar. And that started the whole MIA thing. Now, as my perspective shifted, and as I became more uh, experienced in the wrestling business, hindsight 2020, I think that Vince can be a creative guy. I think he can be a good writer. Uh, Ed Ferreira, one of the nicest guys in the world, He's a great rider as well. I always got along great with Ed. Ed and I share a birthday, by the way. So if Ed Ferreira right. sees this, happy birthday, Ed. Uh, and so I always got along with both of those guys wonderfully. Um, I love getting along with both But from a strictly business standpoint, I don't know that anybody ever ran WCW better than Eric Bischoff ran WCW. And I think one of the worst things that happened to WCW was Eric Bischoff no longer being the guy. You know, and once you muddied those waters, they never got clear again. You know, uh, once you took him out of that position of being the guy that was making, if not all the calls, pretty much all the calls and being in charge and it was clear and you knew exactly, he was the closest thing to a Vince McMahon figurehead that WCW had ever had or could ever have, in my opinion. And once you remove that, now, suddenly, you never had complete order ever again. You had a lot of chaos from then on out.
0: Yeah. And uh, before Misfits in Action, which we'll get to in a minute, because uh, I, I love the group, you had a big push in the Cruiserweight division, and they'd done the Cruiserweight tournament, and you got yourself right to the final against uh, Prince Ayakeya, or the artist formerly known as Prince Ayakea. Um, Was there any serious talk about actually putting the title on you? Because – You know, yourself, Ray and Kidman, you was one of the top babyface uh, cruiserweights at the time.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate you saying that. I I had gotten my break in the wrestling business, actually, Uh, if you don't mind me digressing for a second before I answer your question. Um, The reason why I got my break in the wrestling business in the first place uh, for WCW, and they gave me a real good shot outside of just using me as enhancement is because uh, EA Sports came from Canada down to the power plant to film some guys in the ring because they had just signed a deal with WCW. And they were going to make the first wrestling game that had ever been made using motion capture.
0: That's right. And they weren't
1: quite sure how, yeah, they weren't quite sure how they were going to film that or how they were going to create that. And when they got to the power plant, I had been studying these luchadors and had been studying this Mexican style of wrestling and watching Kidman matches and watching Hoobie matches and watching Ray. And I thought, man, I can do that. I can do that. And I've always been very deceptively athletic, I like to say, because I don't look like I'd be the athlete that I am. But I was the guy that could get on the trampoline and do three flips and everything else. And I was comfortable with it, had good body uh, control. And I thought, man, I could do a lot of this stuff, even though I'd never been trained in it. And so I I had been practicing it at the power plant anyway. When they showed up to film wrestlers at the power plant, just built building a library of moves and deciding how they wanted to tackle this game. They were asking, okay, well, who can come in here and do some chain wrestling? Well, man, I've got an amateur wrestling background. I won a high school, you know, a state championship. I could come in there and do legitimate wrestling, the Malenko style, for lack of a better way of putting it, because that's what they were thinking of from a fan standpoint. So I came into the chain wrestling. Boom, 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 boom. I was always good at that. Then I stepped back out of the ring. They go, okay, we need to see some power moves. You know, we need to see power bombs and power slams. And I, well, you know, I'm not a big guy. I'm I'm a cruiserweight, I suppose, but I was on the bigger side of cruiserweight. You know? Yeah. And, um, I'm I'm just six foot, and I legitimately weigh about two thirty. And so, I, well, I can do those power moves, and I'm, I'm a pretty strong guy for my size. So I came in there, did all the power moves, and they're like, wow, that's clean. That looks good. Then they said, uh, okay, we need to see some Hurricanranas off the top rope. And, well, I'm the guy that can go in and do some Hurricanranas off the top rope. So, long story short, they go to WCW and they go, look, we want to take Lash back to the studio with us in Vancouver to do the video game. He's the guy. He can do everything that we want to film. And we don't have to bring a lot of separate guys in. And the story I got from EH was that WCW came back and said, well, he's not under contract. You want to get somebody that's under contract so you don't have to you know, pay them and they go. No, we'll pay them out of pocket if that's what it takes for this. And when wow. they made that kind of, yeah, when they were impressed enough that they were willing to pay me that much money to come up there, it kind of got WCW's attention. And I knew that. And at the same time that I'm up there working on the game, I'm also doing some uh, enhancement jobs for WCW on on Saturday night and on that sort of thing. And so uh, I, I went back in when I got back and things settled down for the video game and I sat down with Paul Orndorff and I sat down with James J. Dillon who were kind of in, in charge of, uh, talent relations at the time. And I said, look, uh, here's, here's a printout. Cause this is, this is how unsophisticated I was at the time. Here's a, here's a printout of all, all these true pages that people are putting up on the internet talking about me. And obviously I'm getting a little bit of a buzz and I need to know whether I have a future in WCW or if I should pursue other options is what I said at like 18 or 19 years old. I didn't have any other options to pursue James. I didn't know anybody in the wrestling business. But uh, but I I don't know if they appreciated my gumption or what, but they signed me to a contract not long after that. And uh, that that gave me an opportunity to work with the Cruiserweights. And I think it was unique that I was one of the few, as you mentioned, American guys that were doing that luchador style. Outside of me and Billy Kidman, there weren't too many other people that were matching move for move guys like Huberitude and, and Ray Mysterio and those guys at the time. And so that gave me a great opportunity. I was happy to be in the mix. Uh, I think there was a little bit of a talk. I would say on that particular pay-per-view against Prince Ikea, if I remember correctly, I think it was about 70, 30, it was 70 30 in the booking committee there, just guessing off the top of my head. Cause I remember a couple of the guys coming to me and mentioning it to me uh, that they were leaning towards putting the strap on me, putting the strap on him. They just weren't quite ready to put it on me yet. And that, that was fine. I, I never had an ego about that sort of thing. The closest I came to, I did actually win it on a, uh, against Ray Mysterio on a, on a house show. You know, but it was one of those deals where they just put it on me one night, and I lost it the next night to him. So I never really got an official recognition for that. But right. uh, later on, towards the end, I, I mentioned that match that I had with uh, Rick Steiner, and uh, Eric Bischoff was putting together a deal to try to buy WCW at the time, That's right. right before yeah. it was sold out to WWE, and people were so convinced the guys were so convinced that Eric was going to do this and that that was a foregone conclusion that he was backstage and was basically in charge calling the shots at that point. And my last right. thunder that I ever wrestled on, they had me booked against Rick Steiner. And the reasoning behind that was they wanted to build him back up. They had felt like guys like a Rick Steiner who were a little bit on the back end of their career but were still viable superstars yeah. and legitimate tough guys that they could still get a lot of mileage out of uh they like they had been diminished as characters during the Larusso era because they weren't given the teaching that they deserved and when they were used they weren't utilized as the monsters that they were before it was for gaga and humor and things like that so um, i remember eric walked past me or i walked past him actually and as i'm walking past him backstage and he never really talked to me that much before then he goes hey And I turned around and he goes, cut your hair. It looks goofy. And I thought, man, I don't know if I should be offended or what's the deal, you know? So I kind of walk off feeling a little dejected and not sure why I've got heat or what the deal is or whatever. And not long after that, um, he comes up to me. He goes, hey, I want to apologize if I came off a little harsh. He goes, I didn't mean it like that at all, the way it sounded. He goes, here's what I'm thinking. You're wrestling Rick tonight. We want to build him back back up to the monster that he used to be. I would like for you to take a little time off of TV, cut your hair, lean down a little bit because, Hey, we've been wearing the t-shirts with the MIA. I didn't have to worry about abs or anything (laughs) like that. He goes, if you'll lean down a little bit and cut your hair and change your look just slightly, come back leaner and meaner in legitimate cruiserweight, we'll put the strap on you and give you a little bit of run as cruiserweight champion. And so obviously I appreciated that. And the other thing it accomplished that same night was, they did sort of the job. You know, I, I wrestled Rick Steiner. He he beat me up so bad they had to carry me out in an ambulance and that gave me a reason to be off TV for a while. It helped build him back up to the guy that he was before and
0: we, we would
1: be off to the races except, you know, I'm sitting at home after that and, and see that the company got sold like, <laughs> like everybody else watched it live on Nitro. That
0: was uh, crazy when that happened and um, so, Am I right in saying so WrestleMania X7, the WCW wrestlers were in the box? Was was you in the box or am I wrong?
1: I was I was not in the box. I was under contract at the time, but I didn't get the invitation right. to be a part of the show. Um, I was it, I was very much put in a very strange situation at that time. And it was uh, it was it was odd the way all that played out, you know. Uh, I just think that I think it happened so fast and there was so much talent involved that they hoped to be able to do something with and they didn't really know who would stick and who wouldn't stick that um, there was a lot of mismanagement all the way around, I think. And, And when you're a young guy, it's easy to take a lot of that stuff personally. And it's easy to to blame a lot of other people for you not getting what you felt was your due. But, man, hindsight 2020, I look back, nobody's trying to hold me back or anything, and nobody was trying to exclude me. Just didn't make yeah. the shortlist for being in the box.
0: Right. Uh, someone you mentioned earlier, and it's a fan favorite of the show, someone we're we'll to have to try and bring on one day, uh, Hoovy to Guerrera. He's a big fan favorite of the show. Uh, any Hoovy stories? Oh,
1: I've got plenty of Hoobie show stories. <laughs> I think everybody does. Because uh, Hoovy was one of those kind of guys – I always got along with him, man, and and we we never had cross words with each other. Always had great matches. I felt like we had great chemistry in the ring. There was a time, I, I don't think it's the case anymore, because I think he's blown way past Hoovy. Uh, no offense to Hoovy at all. I'm just being honest. But there was a time in WCW where I would have put placed he and Ray Mysterio Jr. about neck and neck. I mean, they yeah. were both right there at the very top of the heap in cruiserweights and there wasn't a whole lot that Ray would could do that Hoovy couldn't do and Hoovy kind of got in his own way I think in a lot of ways. And uh whereas Ray was always humble, was always giving and always had great instincts for the business and that allowed him to continue to keep growing and become the legend that he's become, hoovy was a little bit of a heat seeker, you know and I, I don't To this day, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much of that was kind of tongue-in-cheek and a wink and a nod and just trying to get a reaction from the guys or how much of it was just legitimately how he's wired. But, uh, you know, he he was – it was strange. He was one of those kind of guys. It was not hard for him to suddenly be on the outs with, whether it's the the managements or the powers that be or anybody else, you know, the bookers, anything. And uh, I remember when we went to Australia and we did that tour there, we weren't there 24 hours, and we got arrested and got deported and got sent out of Australia and sent home. And I remember what a big scandal that was. Um, I guess they partook a little too much in the festivities the night before. I don't guess I'm telling any stories out of school because it's pretty much uh, well known at this time, I think. Uh, yeah. But I remember mm-hmm. we showed up there, and the very first night we're there, we all check into our hotels. We're getting ready. The next day, we're going to uh, go to the building to get ready for the show. Very first show of the tour of Australia. And the first time, I think, a big American wrestling company had been there in years. So it was a big deal. Everybody was making a big deal out of this tour. And I can remember, too, that the fans were really into it. I mean, everywhere you went, you just got mobbed. And so we were very much on the radar of the entire country. And as we're as I walk down to the lobby to get on the bus to leave, there's some guys that are just coming in from partying the night before. And and Hoovy's among them. And uh and apparently he was uh you know so intoxicated or whatever else that the next thing you know, they can't get him up to his room. Uh, you know, he's running around the hotel lobby. Uh, without any clothes on they've called the police the police are chasing around the parking lot they come and they bring what amounts to i guess a giant paddy wagon you know they're they're trying to and it looks like keystone cops because they're 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 trying to spray it with mace and he's ducking and they're spraying each other and it was just a big ugly thing and we got to the building and i remember sitting and catering and sky news comes on and they're showing footage of this when somebody had filmed this whole thing and they've got it on sky news and i'm thinking
0: Oh man, this is bad. This is not good at all. I'm um, I'm gonna send you... so Paul London. He does the greatest Hooven impression. I'm gonna send it to you afterwards. Okay, I'll DM, oh, DM you the link. Hey, we, hey, we've we've created the character. The, the doof the We've juice, created. The,
1: baby.
0: We've created a character called Doctor Hoovy. You're gonna love <laughs> it, Lash. <laughs> so man, I will man, send you awesome. a link afterwards. I love it <laughs> I love it. Uh, I do
1: remember once uh, we were doing a live show when Hoobie, uh had come out. He started calling himself Hoovi Juice. And uh, he was doing the Triple H gimmick where he would drink the water and he'd spray it up in the air. And so he yeah. drinks the water and he sprays it up in the air. And WCW had just built that new set that had this steep decline on it that yes. looked like a starship. And he just slipped and fell and went all the way down that thing.
0: That's right. I saw that. <laughs> Oh, we love Hoovey. Uh, I will bring Hoovey on the show one day. Everyone keeps asking me, bring Hoovey. I said, I will get him one day. So, uh, great guy. Hey,
1: <laughs> great guy. Nice guy. One of the nicest guys I've ever been around, man, but he's just one of those personalities. It seems like heat follows him.
0: You know, which oh, that can make you true. a lot of
1: money too, so... <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so, we'll talk about Misfits in Action. That Australia tour, uh, you and Chavo became champion uh, tag team champions. I know It was a short stint, but still, like, becoming Tag Team Champions at WCW, how did it feel for that moment?
1: In that moment, it didn't feel like anything other than another day at the office. I'm just being honest with you, and I said that because we didn't know until we got there and until they told us to finish for the match. We didn't know what was going to happen, and then we didn't have it long enough to really enjoy it, so it just felt like a high spot in the match at the time. To, that's that was my perspective, and maybe who the I mean maybe uh, Chavo remembers it a little bit different. But uh, I mean, honestly, we didn't even walk out of the ring with the titles at that point. We had them long enough for them to challenge us and us lose them again. Uh, but with that being said, and and also also I'll mention too, James, I never took my myself too seriously either. You know, I never wore that stuff on my sleeve. I appreciated the fact that I had an opportunity to be a part of something that big and be a part of a big company and just being utilized and and being used and being on the roster meant a lot to me. So I wasn't so arrogant and such an egotistical guy that I, I had to win every match or I had to win this title or that title. But with that being said, now hindsight 2020 and being older and looking back on my career, I appreciate it a lot more now of being able to just look down through those. You know, it's a little bit like being a doctor. If you're a doctor, nobody questions what your grades were when you were in medical school. They just call you doctor. If you won the WCW Tag Team Championship titles and somebody's a wrestling fan, hey, they just remember you were a WCW Tag Team champion and nobody can take that away
0: from you. That's true. Uh, Someone who was in Misfits in Action and um, she's kind of disappeared now. Major Guns, Tyleen Buck any stories yeah. uh, without in the group
1: the, the thing that i remember uh when we were traveling together a lot back then was simply the fact that, that and it's kind of ironic considering what she does now i mean i don't think it's any secret of what her vocation is now and hey if it seems to work for her it works for her all the power to her um you know uh but and i wish her well but i can remember when we were traveling she had she was married at the time and her husband was like really, really, really protective of not allowing her to ride with any of us right. for whatever reason. So she always had to have a separate rental car. She always had to stay you know, separate from us. And so, but she was really, really terrible with directions. So even though she was in a separate rental car she had to follow us everywhere that we went. And uh, I'll tell one story and hey, if she sees this I'll apologize ahead of time, but it really happened. <laughs> So forgive me for sharing this one. Cause I've always thought it was very funny. So I can't help but to share it. I can remember we were doing a, a, a TV taping and I don't remember which one it was like thunder or something like that, because we did the show and we're going from that show to a house show. And me and Chavo and Hugh were booked on the house show, but guns was not. And so she was flying back home and so we're going, we're driving on to the next town. She's driving on back home. And after the show, we're, we're getting gas and she, we, we needed to gas up before we head to the next town. And she asked us, uh, you know, if we could give her directions back to the hotel because she couldn't remember how to get back to the hotel. And Hugh was, was our wheel guy at the time. He was the guy that was driving. So he was always behind the wheel. And he goes, Look, we got to get gas anyway. We'll get gas uh, across the street from the hotel and you can just follow us back. She's, and she thanked us so very much for that, that we would do that for her and the whole deal. So she follows us back and we go to get gas right across the street from the hotel. We literally pull into the gas station. Hugh, Bill gets out of the car and he points at the hotel and says, look, there's the hotel right there. Um, we're gonna get gas. Hey, thank you for working so hard last night. We'll see you next week more on the road. Be careful traveling. You know, we said our goodbyes. So we pump the gas. By the time we finish pumping the gas, we go in, we pay for it. We come back out to our car. We haven't even left the parking lot yet. She's back. And she goes, I can't figure out how to get to the hotel parking lot. So we can literally see the hotel from where we're at. We got her that far, but she couldn't even figure out how to get. We had to drive into the hotel parking lot and pull her in there before we could drive off and go on to the next town. I always thought that was a fun story.
0: (laughs) Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. I could speak to you for another two or three hours, but I know you're a busy man and uh, you've got family coming over for the holidays. But we'll definitely do this again New Year and get Renee on board as well. But before we go, uh, tell everyone where they can find you. And if they want to book you for an event for your caricatures, please uh, give everyone your information.
1: Sure, sure. Absolutely. I'm a pretty easy guy to find, even though I, I hid out as a ghost for about 10 or 15 years, but I'm on Twitter is the only real social media that I use right now. I'm at Lash Can Draw. So you can follow me and see some of my the artwork there. Um, or you can just email me. How's this for old school? My email address is Lash, L-A-S-H, W-C-W, at AOL.com. I saw that. So, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> So that's where I still take all my bookings from and everything else. So when I say bookings, I, I've been retired from wrestling for a while now, but I do a lot of live events. I do the caricatures that we spoke about before. Um, similar to what you see at theme parks when you go in and someone set up a caricature booth and they do the really, really quick goofy portrait of you. Um, I do really, really cute, uh, tone, toned down, tamed, something you want to take home with you that's not making too much fun of you. It's just exaggerated. Uh, caricatures of people. So I get booked out to do a lot of private parties in events and corporate events. I do both traditional, which is just on an easel, black and white, 12 by 18 on a piece of paper. And I do one face every four minutes, or I do digital and digital has a whole different setup. I have a flat screen TV behind me so that uh, guests who are there can see what I'm drawing, but the person I'm drawing can't see it. And I'm drawing directly on an iPad and it comes up on the screen and then we print it out four by six and put it in a little lanyard for someone to wear around their neck after it's over. I get booked out to do that as well. And uh, I do one of those about every eight to 10 minutes full color. And so people book me with a two hour minimum for any event at all. I do wedding receptions, believe it or not. I do corporate Christmas parties. I do college campuses. Um, I, I, I do a lot of conventions. There are, there are a lot of a lot of these big trade shows oftentimes will bring me in to do that sort of thing to draw people to their booth. And then wow. when we print it out, yeah. So like if I, I just got back to San Antonio, Texas, as a matter of fact, it was a cybersecurity conference. And so it's a military conference and there's a lot of those military people that remember me from wrestling. So it works out both ways. Some people want to come and get a photo taken. Some people want to come and have me draw them. And when I draw them and we print it out, Their name tag now for the rest of the convention is their caricature, but it also has whoever the sponsor is, their information is underneath there, like a business card. So that's why it makes good corporate sense for the company as well. And so it's a good business model. I do that. I do a lot of uh, private commissions as well, You know, poster size uh, caricatures for people. So anybody can book me out at any given time for that sort of thing. Uh, I go about anywhere that they pay travel and uh and i do a lot of things locally as well i stay pretty booked up and i usually have a list of commissions waiting on me on the drawing table so uh you know i i drew a crowd in wrestling and now i try to draw up draw a crowd literally
0: <laughs> cool well also, like I said
1: I'll mention, I'll mention very quickly, if you don't mind, too, James, I also do a show on adfreeshows.com called Time Limit Draw oh, yes. with Lash yeah. LaRue. It's a nice little thing. But I'd like to say that it's Bob Ross meets Jim Ross. We talk about wrestling, and I draw some funny pictures and uh, and whatever our subject's going to be at the time. We did Macho Man last night, as a matter of fact, and then I make those prints available for purchase after we finish the show.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely check it out myself. I haven't watched had free shows for a while, but yeah, if now that you're on there, yeah, I'll definitely check it out myself. But no, that's absolute thank pleasure you. having you on. And yeah, we'll try and hook up again in the new year and uh, bring Renee and the other guys on. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have another great time.
1: Let's do it, James. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I appreciate you being so kind to me, my friend.
0: Thanks very much. And yeah, well, I'll, I'll definitely send you the link afterwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please do. I appreciate it. All
0: right. Thank you.
1: You got it.
0: Cool. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to stick around for 10 more minutes, answer some uh, quick questions for you. Let me just turn this overlay off. There we go. You got me in full picture. So, uh, yeah, if you want to send me some quick questions, don't need to do super chats. I'll stick around for 10 minutes because, well, I haven't been on the show for like a week and a half. People keep asking where I am and if I'm leaving the podcast. But, um Nah, I'm sticking around. Uh, let's see. Lashkin Draw. Yeah, I've just looked at his Twitter page and, uh, he's pretty good. So, um, it's amazing how talented these wrestlers are, like in other fields. Like he mentioned earlier, Jerry Lawler is amazing, like artist and, um, like Brett used to do, um, drawings and stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, real good. So, uh, Ishmael, that guy's so likeable. Well, he is, um, I mentioned to him off camera, like, me and my kid brother used to watch him when we was like 10, nine year old and, uh, always stood out to me. It was the sideburns, but, um, yeah, uh, great guy. And, uh, it was just nice to, I, I enjoy talking to these people from my childhood, especially a lot of, uh, the WCW guys I haven't had opportunity to speak to so many yet, but yeah, I'm really, uh, I really enjoy that. So I'm looking forward to doing it again. Um, yo James, where you been? I've been on assignment. um, now we've, um, it's kind of like now Renee and Jonah does their shows now and I'm kind of doing mine. Like me and Renee will do shows together again. Uh, but for this month, we've just tried to do a, um, bit of an experiment, I suppose. But, uh, no one's fell out with each other. I know that's the rumor going up and down, but, um, yeah, we're still friends. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Anakin, yeah, um, devastated. Uh, I actually shared on my Twitter page and my Instagram, uh, James here, if you want to check it out. I've got a picture of myself, my eldest and Jason David Frank um, from four years ago. It was in a um, Comic-Con convention and um, yeah, that one hit me out. I mean, if anyone's my sort of age or even younger, like we all grew up with Power Rangers and uh, I was always a Jason fan. But Tommy was the guy, wasn't he? And, um, like you hear some of the reasons why potentially he's done it. He was apparently going through a messy divorce and like some other legal matters happened, but such a shame. And he, uh, th- there's the channel, where bat in the sun. They've done like a series called superhero beatdown. And they was actually creating like their own power Rangers movie with Jason David Frank. And, um, Legend of the White Dragon I think it's called and it looked interesting and it was a more adult take on Power Rangers and um, I was looking forward to it and uh, yeah honestly like wh- I try to change my old podcast into interviewing people from movies and television and I tried to get him on but we could never get the times lined up and it's believe me when I say it, it's a big regret for it. I didn't end up getting him on the show. So, uh, yeah, I was devastated to hear that. And, like, you see all the tributes from these old co-stars and the fans. Uh, yeah, terrible. Uh, so, rest in peace. Uh, ten minutes. Do ten minutes. Do for seven minutes. We'll see. Terence James, you're the best part of the show. Thank you. And I'm a big fan of you. In fact, you stay strong to your views. Uh, yeah. Uh, like... I think that's something people should do. If they've got views, stay strong to them as long as you're in, they're from a good place. And, um, for example, there's some things I don't agree with, but at the same time, there's other things, even if I don't agree with certain people's views, I respect that that's their views, if that makes sense. Um, but I have my own beliefs and, uh, sometimes I agree with things, sometimes, uh, I don't. But, um, but no, thank you for the kind words, uh, Am I the best part of the show? Uh, I hope so. I try to be, but I think, uh, Renee and Paul and, uh, Jonah and Jason's got me beat. So I'm at the bottom, I'm afraid. Asian style wrestling. Yeah, man. Uh, nice seeing you back. Nice seeing you back green. Uh, thanks everyone. Who's been tuning in tonight. Uh, if you can, before we go, uh, please hit that like button and, uh, hit the subscribe button run just past 14 K, which thank you so much. uh, trying to hit 15k before 2023 my eyes is a bit red and don't know why because i've been going to sleep earlier lately um thankfully because jonah does so much work on the clips it allows me to go to sleep a little bit earlier but uh but no thanks uh it's great to be back um yeah i don't think i've been on the show for a little while actually so um yeah Also, i might be back tomorrow night. Uh, I know it's Thanksgiving for a lot of people. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to our American audience. I think me and Paul might be back on tomorrow night. We're just uh, seeing if we can. So uh, fingers crossed, me and Paul will be on tomorrow night as well. And if you're having Thanksgiving, you can uh, while you're having your Thanksgiving uh, dinner, you can have us playing in the background. Uh, I'm happy you were here today, James. I'm I was very happy I was here as well, and I can talk to you Lash Larue. It's crazy because uh, me and Jonah, we were doing a review show and I brought up Lash Rue to him and because Jonah's a little bit younger than everyone else, um, he d- wasn't really aware of him and I'm like, Lash Leroux, and I start, and I'm hyping up, I'm like, I'm going to get Lash Leroux on the show and I did. So, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just read that one. Uh, James Rene got heat. People always think we've got heat, I don't know why. No, me and Renee's good, like we talk every day. Um, you know, I talk to him every day, I talk to Joan every day, Jason and uh Paul. So uh like we have I think we have the odd disagreement like anyone does, but like me and Renee get along, so um we're cool. Uh Ken Patera, he'd be a great interview, uh, Green Onions. Uh, like to uh, have him on. Um Lars but thank you, mate. Uh, nice to see you on the chat. Uh, who's your picture off by the way? I'm gonna have to try and work that out. Uh what's your other channel's name so we can follow in case Renee boots you off? You and Paul, uh what the makes <laughs> Renee's great as well. Uh he's not kicking me off the channel. Uh so me and Paul are currently creating a new channel called Cinemax. And if you've watched us during live streams, me and Paul, we can go on a tangent about movies. We both love movies, martial art and horror movies in particular. So we decided um we're not leaving cafe, but it's just like a new venture. And um especially now Jonah's here to help with the editing, it gives me more time to explore some other stuff. Like I said, I'm not leaving cafe. I help create cafe. Me and Renee, we create cafe and we're both in it for the long run. Uh but yeah, the new channel is called Cinemax. Um I think there's a link on the community tab. Uh but yeah, um me and paul will be dropping our introduction video on that pretty soon hopefully by the end of the week and then um we'll uh, drop our first review so uh very excited because uh, we could talk about movies all day so uh we'll see how we get on uh what a gentleman always dressed as james as james and one of the good stories don't know how to take that but thanks does. uh my bros were fans of JDF. Yeah, I think everyone was... Like, like I said, if you grew up in the 90s... Like, I was born in 89. So when Power Rangers first came on, which was 93, I was about four-year-old, but, you know, I could still remember it. So I grew... Well, I think it was out in 93, but I don't think it was in the UK to 94, so I was about five, but... know, yeah, I was mad Power Rangers. So, uh... He was. Um, like I said, I was the Jason fan, uh, but he left uh, contract, uh, contractual reasons, the reason why him, Sack, and Trini left. And that's another one as well. The girl that played uh, Trini, uh, she passed away in a car crash years ago, so that was sad. Uh, but yeah, he was the franchise. He was the guy. And whenever they'd done like, um, an episode when they brought loads of people in, like he would always come back. And my kids watches the original series so um it's such a shame and um there was always talks for because i think netflix i know asbro owns the franchise now and i had a rumor that they was going to develop a new series for netflix and the rumor was that there was going to be like the original mighty morphin group like as adults and like that teaching their kids the next generation something like that which i'm surprised that's something they haven't done but um yeah it's a shame uh you know if paul jumps on tomorrow night if me and him's on i'm sure we'll be doing an episode you know as a tribute to him uh yeah shame i hope the film is released really free i hope so i i really do uh fingers crossed it is uh Green Ranger was a badass. Um, yeah, uh, I mean that five arc storyline. Um, green with envy. So when he's first introduced, and then he's the evil Green Ranger, then he turns baby face at the end, and the six forms together. That shows you the Dragon Mega Sword. Uh, honestly, that's not. Just, I know it's a kids show, but even just like you know, TV in general it was such a memorable storyline. So uh, I loved it. I'm uh, gonna. uh, fly through some of these Uh, Pyro just definitely attracted the wrestling fan fanbase yeah definitely did I agree with that Uh, what's the first we haven't decided yet actually Um, so we have got a Twitter page as well Cinemax um, what we've just created Um, yeah me and Paul's debating that we don't know what to do first we don't know rather do something like Terminator which we both love or do we go for something a little bit more obscure so um i think what we'll do though after we drop our introduction video telling everyone what the channel's about me and paul might actually ask you the fans what should be the first movie we re- review so leave it in the comments section and um yeah i think that's something we might do that way so uh but we're looking forward to it really uh uh let's see uh now man you do the best interviews on the show oh thank you darrens um i try my best um it ha- it does help. I've done quite a few now. Um what have I fucking done. Wow, well, I must I think I've done about a hundred interviews now. Give or take, something like that. But yeah, I've done a few. So um but no, thank you. Um I, I think I I don't know if I'm the best interviewer. Renee does a great job. Jonah does and uh, Jason and Paul. Um I think I definitely come from from a fans perspective. So um I think that helps cause I obviously relate to everyone that views what's in the chat because we're all just wrestling fans. So um yeah. Um what do you call it? I like to think I do okay, basically. Uh let's see. Uh Jenna's a nice kid, but he's a kid in class he would snitch up to you. <laughs> Don't say that. Jenna, it's lovely. Jenna's a good guy. Um what games do you play? Not playing anything at the minute. Uh, I tell it i like I'm playing Lego Harry Potter with my kids. So I've been helping them out and it's actually a good game, actually. Um, I haven't got the new God of War yet. I don't fancy giving 70 pounds for a game. Games are so fucking expensive. Um, but yeah, uh, I need to get my hands in God of War. Um, what was I downloading before I went online? Um, shoot. Assassin's Creed, I've never played Assassin's Creed and on the Playstation Premium because I've got PS5 they've pretty much released all the Assassin's Creed games so I'm just in the process of downloading them, I've never played Assassin's Creed so hopefully it's good Uh, Did you watch Raw? I didn't I haven't watched wrestling for a little bit Um, I caught MGF becoming champion so that was interesting, I think it's a smart decision but correct me if I'm wrong I don't think he's actually booked on the show tonight which is stupid but yeah, I haven't watched wrestling for a bit, but I know me and Joan uh, are reviewing Survivor Series war games this uh, Sunday. And I don't even know what matches is on Survivor Series, so uh, I'm going in blind. <coughs> I'd love a Thanksgiving cafe day, Renee. Uh, yeah, possibly we're doing one. I, I cause, uh, Well, originally, and thank you t- again to Lash LaRue for uh, making time for this. Normally, we do the live streams on a Thursday. So he said, I'll do the live stream, James. said, but can't do this Thursday because it's family. Then I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. So he said, we can do Wednesday. I said, yeah, no problem. So thank you again, Lash, if you're watching. Uh, Thank you so much. But um, yeah, uh, depends if um, Paul's not so busy. If not, then me and him will jump on tomorrow night and uh, try and entertain you while you're having your turkey. Uh, When are you doing the... SVR video game. Watch it with Renee. Uh when me and Renee does another episode together. I don't think we're doing one together till uh December. We're nearly in December anyway, but uh yeah, so uh we'll do one one day. Um to Brickmaker find your face, I wish. Uh Jonah is okay, like a pseudo James, but nothing's the real deal. <laughs> Thank you. Um that's the reason I love this content you produce <laughs> thanks uh, I do want to review WT that's something me and Paul might end up doing but then again Renee's a big South Park fan as well so um, yeah that's definitely an episode I want to do uh, design patterns Ryu uh, is that a Fortnite skin James really glad you're going on your own thing with Paul Renee takes you for granted too much man <laughs> everyone thinks me and renee's got heat. uh i'm still staying with cafe like i am not leaving cafe mate. there's no way I'm leaving a podcast which i've helped create what's on 14k subscribers um but I'm looking forward to doing this show with um paul because uh we was gonna have it on here but we said uh but it was like yeah we'll, we'll start a new channel see how it goes and um yeah I'm looking forward to doing that because it's me and paul will well, well it's a movie review show, but it has got like a bit of a wrestling twist in it, like wrestling terminologies and things like that. It'd be like, who's the baby face of the movie? When was this heel turn? Things like that, if that makes sense. Yous will appreciate it, being wrestling fans. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that, but not leaving Cafe. Like I said, um, me and Renee, we created it. We both put a lot of hard work into it, and I wouldn't leave it. So uh you stuck with me, guys. Uh, let's see. Um, First ideas to the review ICP, Big Money Hustlers. The only ICP movie I kind of remember watching, it must have been something on the Sci Fi channel. It was like a race, and they're in it, but I don't really remember what happens in it because it was like I caught the last 20 minutes of it. Speaking of ICP, I would love to get ICP on the show for an interview because they are hilarious. So that's something I need to make happen one day. Uh, James, you're looking for editors for Cinemax. Uh, We're okay at the minute. We haven't even put an episode out yet, but uh, we'll see how we get on. But um, I think we'll be okay. Like I said, because Jonah's joined Cafe now, he helps a lot with the editing. So, it gives me more time to do other stuff. So, um, yeah, uh, we're okay. But, you know, in the future, you know, we'll see how we get on. Uh, is it an episode of a podcast style channel? It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be episodes. I think what we're going to do, like I said, we don't, we haven't finalized it, a lot of things yet. But it's going to be, like, episodes. And it's going to be pre-recorded. So, then I can throw in some bells and whistles. Uh but me and Paul also said that we will do some live streams as well. So like, you know, talk about latest movie news and uh, you know, interact reviews and things like that. So um yeah, we've we've got some ideas. But yeah, the 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 concept for now is it's gonna be pre recorded episodes, so I can throw in some bells and whistles, some clips and stuff like that. So um we're looking forward to it. Uh, no holds bad. Need to do that one. Arnie, yes. Uh, love Arnie. So um, need to do Robocop. Need to do the Robocop. Uh, James, you should do a homework assignment with the fans at the end of every Cinematics episode. that way the fans can tune in for next week with knowledge. Um, yeah, like I just mentioned before, it's going to be pre-recorded to begin with, but we are going to do live streams. So, uh, but yeah, we've got some ideas, so uh, can't wait. Uh, Trivia questions. We are going to be doing a lot of trivia. Uh, So let's see. Uh, Are there any interviews you weren't able to upload for any reasons? Uh, Yes. uh, My interview with Moose from Impact Wrestling for the simple fact because I forgot to click record. (laughs) And um, it was only 15 minutes off. We click record and uh, yeah, it didn't work out. So that was one of them. Uh, thoughts on the FC and punk chants? Uh funny. And uh, and I'm a wrestling fan, first and foremost, but I'll be the first one to say it and yous will agree. Wrestling fans are the most fickle people in the world, but, uh, especially AEW fans. And I'm sorry, AEW fans, to so the both of you. But when Punk's there, "Oh my God, we love CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk," and seeing this, he's left FCM Punk. So um, yeah, I hope he doesn't come to WWE. Uh, James for Kenny Bullen. Thank you, super chat, by the way. Uh, in a boxing match, I reckon I could uh, hold me on against Kenny. <laughs> right, I'm gonna uh, fly for his least. should Liverpool sign? Jesus, because we need a miracle. Um, we need new midfield. So, uh, Bellingham, I think he's top of the list, if we can get him. I don't know, but he's top of the list. Um, Nunes is coming good. Uh, I've always backed Nunes, so uh, I'm glad he's doing good. Um, yeah, we need a new midfield. Uh, we need... Man, if we could get... Fabinho's been off form for a bit, and I don't know if he's coming towards the end, like if he's peak now, but... If we had to replace him, I would like to see a Declan Rice because I think he's such a good, chan- uh, such a great player. Um, Jude Bellingham beside him, you know, two English lads. Well, Declan's Irish, but you know he plays for England. Um, you know, if we get them two, and then Harvey Elliott's coming on quite well, so um, yeah, we definitely need to fresh up that midfield. Uh, I don't want to watch that movie again, Anakin. <laughs> I, I will review it. Paul hasn't watched it, but um, yeah. In loving the growth of the channel, thank you. So, have I. um, Dylan, why does Renee never get on here with James anymore? Like I said, we've um, we've done, like, a, a, a... And I'm going to be on for, like, a couple more minutes now before I go. We thought we'd just do an experiment, basically, so he said, I'll do some shows with Joan and you can have the other episodes. So I'm like, yeah, no problem. So, that's all what it's been, so... We haven't fed out we're still uh we still get along I was talking to him last night uh about Jason David Frank funny enough uh which is like how sad it was and uh <sighs> sorry I've <sighs> got bed in a minute um oh, It's snap drugs um oh, whats your opinion to World up yeah it's been fucking interesting. Fucking Argentina losing it to Saudi Arabia. I'd be honest, I wasn't exactly hyped for the tournament because of Qatar and, you know, all the people that died building the stadiums and things like that. But um, And I try not to get into politics too much. I, I think I've said many times on this channel, I'm in the middle. I don't lean left or right. I'm in the middle. And and i like to... And a bit of advice for everyone, if you want to take advice... Don't worry about things you can't control or change, basically. So, you know, when you see all these politicians come out with these mandates and someone on the other side is like, oh, we can do this. You know, don't worry about it because you can't, you know, you can't do anything about it, <laughs> if that makes sense. And uh, Either cruise was over anyway. Uh but anyway, besides that though, the World Cup. Yeah, it's been interesting. Germany losing is great, especially for an Englishman. I am looking forward to playing the Americans because the Americans have been getting a little bit cocky lately after drawing with Wales. So um that's gonna be fun. I will uh be wearing my heart on my sleeve for that uh one. Should do a watch along, actually. Um so yeah, that one's gonna be fun. But no, it's been a fun tournament. Um Spain done well against Costa Rica, 7-0. That was unbelievable. Uh, I think Brazil's playing tomorrow, so it'd be interesting to see how well they do. France had a good win. And, yeah, I mean, when England beat uh, Iran, I when it was 6-2, I was disappointed that we conceded two goals. Um, But seeing all these other like, freak results, I'm like, wow, perhaps that win against Iran was actually a decent result. So, um. Yeah, fingers crossed that it comes home. All right, I'm going to do the last couple of here, guys, and I'm off. Uh, is Luther Reigns or Hoovy coming on one day? I've messaged Lufo Reigns ages ago, and this was before Paul done these impersonations. I uh, haven't heard back. I will try and get him on. Hoovy, love to get Hoovy on. I know we have fun, but hopefully he sees the fun side of it. Uh, this must be a liftable question. Uh, yeah, James Ward Prowls. Southampton. Um, unfortunately, for James Ward-Prowse, he's kind of like the Mark Noble. And when I say that, he's a good player, and he shines in like an average team. And no disrespect to Southampton or um, West Ham fans, but I'm just saying, you ain't top teams at the minute. You're you know mid-table clubs, and he shines for that club. And there's like big teams won't take a chance on them. It's like, I as if I was England manager, I definitely would have brought Ward-Prowse to the World Cup just for them free kicks. And, you know, if it's 10 minutes to go and you desperately need to go and, you know, there's a free kick coming up, you would bring him on. Um, Same as Trent, by the way. And, uh, like, I'm being biased as a Liverpool fan. Trippier's a great player. But, you're playing against Iran and, you know, you could be attacking all game, why not bring on someone who can throw in, like, you know, 12 or 16 great crosses during a game. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, James, can you power driver? Elon Musk? <laughs> I like Elon. <laughs> uh, what horror films has Paul asked you to watch? He hasn't seen. Oh, have I asked to watch? Paul, Paul's watched every horror movie made. Paul's named horror movies I've never heard of, so, um, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, sorry. we'll probably review some of the classics first, like Friday the 13th and um, Nightmare on Streets. Uh People who's watched this know I'm a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan. It's my favourite horror series. Freddy is my favourite horror villain. Um, I'll tell you a good series, you know. I've been watching a few of them lately. You know the Final Destination movies? There's five of them. Underrated series. Really underrated, they're, they're so good, and just the ideas of like the big incident what starts it off, and then like all these, like, you know, freak accident kills. It's um, it's very creative movies. Uh, I messaged Bride, I haven't, so uh, maybe one day. Uh, James, will you buy a blue check mark? I'm too tight. <laughs> um, did Paul ever meet JDF? I'm not sure, you know, I've got a feeling he might have done. Um so I don't know. Uh Jess, what kind of contract are you? Hey. 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 Uh yeah, just builder. I've got a van. Uh the final destination, two vans of Yeah, uh, good movies. Um which ones have I watched the last few nights? I watched the one with the Nascar crash, which was great. The roller coaster. And, um, on oh, the suspension bridge. Um, that had a good twist at the end to Destination 5. That had a really fun twist. So cool. So yeah, everyone, thanks for joining. I uh, hope you enjoyed the interview with Ash LaRue. I, I know I did. Uh, thank you for your super chats. And yeah, thank you for sticking around, having a quick catch up with me. I know I've been away for a little bit. Uh, some things, family stuff's happened and stuff like that. Uh, thank you for your well wishes. I got sent. Not very professional me, yawning. Um but yeah, uh thank you again. Uh please hit that like button, subscribe, and uh yeah, head over to um Cinemax and give us a subscribe. I think we've got man, I think we've got over four hundred and twenty subscribers and we haven't even posted a video yet. So these have been great. So uh hopefully uh you know we'll be hitting a thousand subs within a few weeks. Um but no, thanks again and for everyone who's worried fat I'm uh, yeah, Carl. I saw that uh, Newfoundland. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thanks everyone. And uh, yeah, if everyone worried that I'm leaving the channel or if I'm being pushed out the channel, I'm not. I'm I'm sticking around. So don't worry, I'll always be here. And I have seen in the comments that a lot of you are missing missing the uh, Bonshaw intros. So uh, at least you know with me, you'll always have the Bonshaw intros. Uh, But yeah, thanks again, and yeah, uh, hopefully me and Paul will be back tomorrow night, Uh, I'll let you know during the day, Uh, if not, I think we've got some guests for next week, yeah, I'll let Renee announce some, I think Renee's going to be back next week, uh, next Thursday possibly, so I might be back next Monday, but hopefully I'll be back um, tomorrow night as well with uh, Paul. So, uh, and I need to shave because I'm getting a neck beard So, uh, cool. So, yeah, thanks everyone. Live all your years and thank you for the support. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, I'll see you out. See you pretty soon. Bye bye.